welcome back to another week of the Cyclone Family Podcast. A little bit delayed. Well, delayed compared to when we usually would record. We are going to kind of shift our schedule around since we are now fully officially into basketball season, uh, which for me has been has been several weeks now uh, that that I've been there. But uh, the the rest of the Cyclone fan base as a whole, I think, has kind of caught up to me there as far as fully investing into basketball. But that means I'll be traveling a lot on the weekends. So uh, we're going to kind of shift around our recording schedule. We will most likely be putting out episodes later in the uh, the week. So like today, releasing on a Friday, that that's probably going to be a little bit more standard going forward. We will always uh, tweet about it and such if you are looking for that schedule but thank you so much for joining us uh what whatever day you are finding us over here i am as always jamie steyer johnson alongside my brother eric steyer eric thank you for uh joining me once you've kind of recovered gotten your rest gotten back into the swing of things back home in Ames. yep glad to be here well eric it is there's <laughs> there's so much to talk about i'm gonna kind of try and uh hit the highlights here and let us get a little bit more into some of the stuff that maybe we have different perspective on. Maybe we have some stuff to say there, but I want to start with men's basketball. Uh, I naturally want to start with just a little, a uh, little pat on the back for myself because last episode we mentioned how Caleb grill has had a kind of statistical anomaly in his time at ISU, which is that he has shot significantly better on the road than in Hilton. And especially to start the season this year, he he had not quite lived up to his potential as far as the kind of shooter that we know him to be, that uh, Iowa State fans know him to be, really struggled. And... I think he picked a good game to get stuff figured out, would you say? Yeah, I mean, game against number one, which you needed every one of them. So, yeah, I'd say it was a pretty good game. I mean, it was just really, it was really cool to see the the hype, the recognition for him on a national stage. Um, Obviously, someone who puts in a lot of work behind the scenes someone who really cares about basketball who really cares about Iowa State obviously he and TJ have a really great relationship so uh just to see uh, amid all the excitement of beating the number one team in the country like that's great enough but to have that behind a career performance by someone who has had had some significant struggles uh, and and really uh, you you feel for him in those times. And so the way that he came out there was absolutely incredible. Um, ended up, what, seven for 11 from three against North Carolina. Got, got locked down pretty well against UConn and Iowa State. Struggled a little bit to score in general there. But look, they had just watched him pop off for seven threes. They watched him score 31 points. Like, he probably moved up on the scouting report a little bit after that. Bounced back in a really big way at home against North Dakota. Four for five from the three-point line in a game that 
felt like maybe Iowa State, just like you had to when you guys all got back from Portland, still waking up a little bit, still kind of getting themselves together. But especially that second half against North Dakota, it seemed like, okay, they they're good you know sometimes you got a little bit of a slow start there but uh I I really couldn't have been happier I was so encouraged to see Caleb come back and continue to shoot really well at home too and and I'm hoping and myself along with I think all Cyclone fans are really hoping that that can continue throughout the rest of the season because I mean what a boost that would be for the Cyclones to have him really hitting consistently like we know he can yeah and I think the first few games of the season uh obviously his three-point shot wasn't really completely there yet but we saw him contributing in other ways you know he's been playing really good defense all year um getting steals and we even saw him get it you know steal at the end of the North Carolina game there and so to be able to see him, you know, contribute at the three-point line, like we know that he's capable of, that was really good to see. And so, especially that North Carolina game, if you can have him, con- I mean, he's obviously not going to contribute 31 points probably <laughs> every one, every game. Um, but to be able to do that and then do what he does, you know, just with the overall energy that he brings, and especially on the defensive end, just a, a complete game, that was really, really cool to see for him. Yeah, that's the thing is like no one's asking him to be, like you said, 31 points every game. No one's asking him to do anything outside of what he's capable of. It's just that when someone's struggling, you desperately want to see them live up to their potential. So uh, I I really loved seeing that. Uh, I, obviously, like it, it was kind of tongue in cheek what I said before they went out there, but at the same time, you just felt like he was due for a course correction uh, as far as the way he was shooting and his statistics and things like that. So to see that happen in such an extreme way, and then to see that kind of continue on into the next solid opportunity, like against North Dakota, uh, really, really excited to see that, but let's dive in a little bit more over uh, that really big win out in Portland, which Iowa State had a couple of them, you know, taking down Villanova. That's terrific as well. And you go up against the number one team in the country. And there is a saying uh, that sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And that's something that uh, Iowa State football could have used a little bit of during the years, just an ounce of luck. But I felt like Iowa State obviously played a terrific game against North Carolina. I want to acknowledge that they then went on a little bit of a skid. North Carolina did. They maybe were a a little overranked at number one, but Hey, they had a solid start to the season. Um, But yeah, it's, it's a win over a number one team and no matter where they end up, like that is still a huge accomplishment for Iowa state. You get maybe a little luck as to when you play them uh, before they would have inevitably dropped down in the rankings, but uh, just so exciting to see the Cyclones do something that they've done so few times in their history that so few teams get a lot of opportunities to do, uh, especially on a stage like that, to go out to something like the Phil Knight Invitational, which was, I mean, a, a terrific tournament, kind of all eyes on Portland this past week, because first of all, it was right there on ESPN, all the men's and women's games, and also just because of the terrific matchups that they had out there. So uh, just a really exciting way to, obviously not the first game, but start off the season 
for Iowa State uh, in such a big opportunity. Yeah, and North Carolina was a team that you know, I personally went into the game thinking that we could win. Um, obviously, they're ranked number one, but that's was based off of their uh, run in the NCAA tournament last year where they made it to the, all the way to the national championship game. And, you know, they brought back pretty much their entire team, so that's why they were number one. But you think back, last year they were an eight seed in the tournament. It's not like they dominated throughout the season and then, you know, dominating the tournament, you know, they were still an eight seed in the tournament. So it's, I mean, they had bad losses last year and you know, a lot of those same guys are back again. So their number one uh, overall ranking felt maybe a little different than in the past where, you know, in the past, maybe for facing the number one team, it's like, okay, um, this is gonna, this maybe, you know, this could be tough out there tonight. You know, you might not have a chance, but you know, for this game, I think this, this Vegas spread was only like five points or something like that. And so, you know, I had confidence. I know that the team had confidence going into the game that it was one that they could win. And obviously we saw how it played out. It, you know, and with teams from outside the big 12, you know, the way Iowa state plays, um, it can pro- maybe catch them a little off guard. And we might've seen that a little bit at the end, North Carolina, maybe getting a little fatigued in that, that last three minutes and turning the ball over things like that. And, you know, we saw North Carolina really struggled from three. So, you know, just all those kind of all those things combined, you know, facing a tough defense. Saw North Carolina struggle at the end of the game and Iowa State really thrive and, you know, get that get that third victory over a number one team is really cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's it's interesting because it was like you said, the it's a it's a close spread. And then you win that game and you've still got one left. And you go up against a UConn team that, I mean, the the kind of prevailing sentiment was, yeah, this this feels more like a game against the number one team in the country. UConn just a powerhouse. I mean, so many different weapons. Uh, Iowa State didn't play their best game on either the offensive or defensive ends of the court. But to me, it felt a lot more like going against a team that was just very, very prepared and primed. Like there's just some games that you go out there and no matter how well you play, you're you're not going to get that one because the other team is playing at the peak of their ability. And that's kind of how it felt against UConn. Yeah, and the biggest thing in the UConn game was just getting dominated on the glass. The rebounds, rebounding was 48 to 19. You know, on UConn had 21 offensive rebounds. We had 12 defensive rebounds. So, no, they got, I don't know what that is, what math that is, but probably around like 60, 65% of their own misses. And so that was a really big thing. And so those rebounds, you know, lead to them getting to the free throw line a lot. they made 20 free throws compared to six for Iowa State. So that was really the difference. The shooting percentages from the floor were really not much different for Iowa State and UConn. And UConn had 19 turnovers. Iowa State had 12. But the difference really was just on the glass. And so you know, UConn's a really good team. Obviously, they're in the top 10 now. They're ranked eighth, I think, now. And we're recording this on, what day is it, Thursday? Thursday, And yeah. they just they beat Oklahoma State again tonight. So, um they're they're a really good team this year. I wouldn't be surprised to see them up, you know, on the one seed, two seed, three seed range at the end of the year. So, 
Um, obviously a tough game. I uh, used a lot of energy in those first two games. And so kind of ran out of steam. It looked like a little bit on that uh, last game against UConn, but overall, not a, not a terrible loss. No, no. And, and that's the thing is that you go out there, you get a really big win. You go, you have a, a tough loss, but it's a loss that you kind of not shrug. Like you want to win, but you say, well, all right, we went out there, we fought hard. We were not the better team tonight, but we can learn from it. It's great to play against this level of competition in the non-conference because then you're way more prepared for what's going to be an absolute onslaught during the Big 12 season. So uh, really happy with the way they performed out there. As far as the first uh, non-conference loss for Coach TJ Alzelberger, I feel like that's probably, that's one you you can kind of take. You know, it's, hey, you, you don't want to have any, but if there had to be a first one, uh, having it come in your second year, is uh, certainly a plus as well as having it come against that good of a team. Yep. I mean, yeah, it would have been nice to come home with a trophy there. You don't, you know, those opportunities don't come up super, super often, but you know, yeah, just regroup. Yep. Yep. Prepare, guess, maybe it prepares you for a game later in the season that you wouldn't have won otherwise. And you, you learn some things there that help you win. That's kind of the way I look at a lot of losses, especially against such good teams. Yep. All right, so hopefully this did prepare them for some good teams because Iowa State has a couple pretty solid games ahead of them over the next week. Uh, Going up against an undefeated St. John's team in Ames on December 4th. Uh, Okay, you you have to kind of acknowledge Probably not the most difficult schedule uh, of anyone in the country. Kind of pounded Nebraska by 20 points. Yikes. Uh, Close one with Temple, beat Syracuse in overtime, and then uh, a bunch of schools that, to put it nicely, they probably have, like, really great shirts at home field. (laughs) Like, they're, they're probably one of those schools, like, Wow, what a great mascot. And their athletic department? Uh, you know, for for their level, I'm sure they're fine. But uh, n- not not really a lot of uh, signature wins. I'll put it that way for St. John's. So uh, certainly uh, a team that is capable of winning games that says something. But remains to be seen just how high level they are. And we'll see in Ames on Sunday, a really great opportunity again for Iowa State to go up against the team that, you know, they, they certainly are beatable. In fact, I would go out on a limb. I haven't seen lines yet. My guess is Iowa State's probably favored. Um, but getting those kind of out of conference, but not bottom of the barrel home games, those are the ones that you really got to sharpen yourselves because we're rapidly approaching the end of the non-conference season. You know, you've got a handful of games left where you can look at it and say, okay, these ones, uh, we can, we can try something different. We can use this to figure some stuff out. And then you're right in, like I said, into the onslaught of the big 12. So uh, really hoping to see a sharp game this weekend because North Dakota, I don't think that was exactly a sharp game. It was a win. I'll take that, but gotta be a lot sharper this weekend. 
Yeah, and you know when a team is eight and zero and they're only receiving one vote in the AP poll, that kind of tells you a little bit about their schedule. But obviously, they're eight and zero, so they're capable. We just don't really know exactly yet what they're capable of as far mm-hmm. as St. John's. So um, I'm I'm sure St. John's fans um, are looking forward to this weekend. They'll probably learn a lot more about their team, and so um, we're we're going to learn more about Iowa State this weekend. The biggest, definitely the biggest home game so far this year, and so it should be a great atmosphere hopefully on Sunday, and yeah, it'll just be interesting to see how it turns out because you, know, you never know at the end of the year who you're going to be battling for, you know, maybe for seeding or maybe you're yeah. on the bubble. You never know, so this yeah, could absolutely. be a big game at the end of the year, and and for uh, the Big Twelve bragging rights in the in the challenge as well. Right. Oh, I mean, you can't overlook that at all um but yeah you you've got that and then you turn around and you've got another really big matchup this one on the road uh you've got the cyhawk men's basketball matchup you've got quite a few cyhawk matchups this week we'll start with men's basketball um you're going against a hawkeye team that you you see quite a few returning faces one significant non-returner obviously uh Keegan Murray headed to the league, but you've got Chris coming back. And I've, I've said this uh, many a time. I watch more Iowa basketball than I ever would have predicted at any point in my life prior to six years ago. Uh, Cause I've got, I've got the Hawkeye in my house and uh, for all of the Iowa State sports and all of the just general basketball that I care about that I subject him to, I do allow him to have a TV, one of the two in the living room for all of his Iowa games. So, I mean, Chris Murray has really taken a step up this year. Uh, he, I don't think he's quite performing on the same level as Keegan uh, did last year, but that really didn't bother Iowa State last year either. So it's, it's a really, really interesting situation to me because Iowa, I, I I don't really know who they are as a team yet. I don't know that they know who they are as a team yet. They've had some pretty solid wins. They've had some pretty deflating losses. You know, they uh, were ranked for a hot second there, dropped back out after losing pretty badly to TCU, but You've got that, you know, you've got all of the, all of the Cyhawk things in contention. Iowa also plays Duke in New York on Tuesday and then comes back for the Cyhawk on Thursday. I I, I would be less than thrilled about that if that were my team. With at eight thirty Central Time too, you know, nine thirty Eastern Time. So I mean, less than less than forty eight hours between the two, and you have to travel back from New York. Like, woof. That's. I, I, I mean, yeah. It some 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 teams do better than others with that sort of thing. I mean, so, sometimes you'll see a team, you'll have hardly any rest between games, like even. You know, they'll have a tournament where they play back-to-back days, and then on the second day they come out and light it up and right. shoot really well. You know, playing back-to-back days. Um, I know, like I think back to when we played in Maui, 
uh, we played three days in a row third third day we were playing at 9 30 a.m local time and we lit it up we played the best like one of our best games of the year so you, you never really know how a team will respond to uh playing on short rest you know obviously i'm in in duke it's not like duke's a game where you can just kind of look past it on their end <laughs> and kind of start looking ahead to iowa state um so you know they'll be folked on duke certainly and prevents be... them from looking ahead to iowa state like that's literally not an option yeah so um they'll just have one day prep for iowa state and you think back to last year and i guess their one game against tcu this year they struggled against the pressure from iowa mm-hmm. state last year i i, I um it was one of their lowest scoring games of the year. I think they ended up having a game against Rutgers or something like that, where they scored fewer points, but um, yeah, they struggled last year. And then against TCU this year, I didn't see any of that game. So I don't know exactly w- what TCU looked like in that game, but pressure um, probably, I yep. would assume. Yeah. It was that. I watched pressure it. it was, and, yeah. Kind of what yep. you would expect, you know, and, and, and kind of like, kind of like I said, of- with like North Carolina, if, teams might not really be used to that and we saw it last year mm-hmm. and i guess apparently you said you watched the game apparently this year against tcu so um i don't know having already a game against tcu this year may have helped them um in that respect f- already facing that pressure as this far year, as so. like mentally knowing what could be coming but at the same time like it, you could only adjust so much in that span of time as well as like if that's just not what you prepare yourself for and what you game plan for in general like it kind of is what it is but uh, I certainly think that Iowa State has the opportunity to have another really great game this one on the road in Iowa City I uh, would love to see them crash the glass really hard think that that's something that TCU did really well in their game against Iowa um, but yeah, I mean, I, I much prefer the turnaround of like a Sunday to a Thursday for Iowa State. I'm really intrigued. Uh, there's there's certainly a lot of very interesting aspects of these games every year, but uh, it, lots of kind of weird things at play there. I'm I'm very very much looking forward to it. Uh, I will not be traveling back out to Iowa City on Thursday, but I will be watching very closely um i'm super excited for that one think it'll be it'll be a close game i i do believe it'll be a close game because that's kind of how those tend to go with like rare very drastic outliers (laughs) every so often but i'm looking forward to it okay what else i'm looking forward to is uh the same matchup on the women's side but before we get there uh, go back through a little bit of the week that was for the Cyclone women's basketball team. Kind of saw a tale of two halves out in Portland against North Carolina. Uh, really a heartbreaking loss there for the women's basketball team, led by as many as 17 against North Carolina, ended up losing the game. And it it just felt like so many uncharacteristic things piled up in that game you had multiple people end up in foul trouble with both Lexi Donarski and Stephanie Suarez who as far as the defensive end of the court goes like that's that's as impactful as it gets um and then just late game execution wasn't quite there uh one of the most baffling things I've ever seen in my uh, my basketball watching life was to see Iowa State struggle to get the ball inbounds because that is something they hang their hat on. 
Um, something that Coach Friendly's known for is, is drawing up great inbounds plays, uh, game planning really well. And it felt like Iowa State just had kind of their their heads were not quite in it at the end of that game. Uh, just felt very all over the place. And like I said, bizarrely uncharacteristic in a way that you just hope that, okay, so many things compounded in this particular game to lead to us losing. I hope that those things cannot pile on top of each other in that exact same way again later in the season. And, and again, hopefully by having that happen, you say, all right, here's what we need to be aware of. Here's what we need to avoid because Oh, I, I would really rather not watch a game slip away like that again. <laughs> yeah. And really it kind of started at the end of the first half, really like I was mm-hmm. was cruising and then I don't, I mean, I don't want to get into whole, you know, rest cost you game and stuff, but just all of a sudden then just foul after foul, after yep. foul, after foul, after, just out of nowhere. And it's like, all right, I don't know if, you know, Sometimes you get kind of some pity calls when you're down by a lot, but it seems yeah. way too early for that to start happening. You know, you get players in foul trouble because of that. And so third quarter, you know, more foul trouble. And it just never really seemed the same after that. So um, obviously there's other things too that you can control that, you know, you'd want to work on as well. Right. Right. Um, and didn't shoot the ball very well from three. Um, and, you know, North Carolina in the second half really caught fire maybe uncharacteristically so for some players. Well, they did. And the thing is that they did the same thing against Oregon. They were down the entire game, battled back for a really, for a really big push in the second half. So it wasn't exactly shocking to see them play so much better in the second half, but you're spot on with just the way that the first half ended, I think set things up for that really big shift we saw at the half. Yeah. So, um, it's Obviously, th- you hope that going forward, you hope that you can avoid that. But sometimes, um, maybe we got got out to too big of a lead. Yeah. So where you know, sometimes the refs maybe try to even up a little just to make it more even. But um, yeah, it was well, and and I don't know if it makes it better or worse that like you're looking at a game where in the first half, I mean, you're watching a team that could hang with anyone anyone in the country you put that first half team out there it's a game like i i mean that's that's not hyperbolic like this iowa state was at the time ranked fifth in in the country and they were just an absolute wrecking crew in the first half and things shifted drastically unc played a terrific game they played really hard they played a lot better in the second half, but in that first half, they were finding shots. Steph was playing out of her mind. Well, she wasn't even playing out of her mind. She was playing really, really solid in a way that I believe is sustainable. They were looking for her inside. I mean, people were making the shots they needed to make, and then you you have a pretty drastic shift in the second half, but a lot of that happens because you can't have Lexi Donarski out on the court for a good chunk of it. All of a sudden, Steph is out of the game for a big chunk of it because of her fouls, and that just changes everything. So, can, can we can we just talk about that charge call on her? <laughs> I mean, oh my goodness! 
the different excuses uh, I heard uh, for why it was legitimate, I was just like, wait, what? Like, on the broadcast, they were trying to explain, and I had no idea what they were talking about. And then later, I talked to mom about it and she said they were told it was the secondary defender blah blah no, they blah said it, they it was said a it was zone a, no the the ref said it was the primary defender which oh. doesn't make any sense she helped off the corner person yeah I, and then he said well it doesn't matter because she, she was wasn't in the, in the circle she, she wasn't she in, was the, in circle. the circle i could tell yeah. you for a fact she was in the circle i mean yeah, yeah that's well and even before that in the first half you're going after kind of a loose ball rebound and there's just very, very, very typical contact. You get called for a fat, like in that string of just whistle after whistle after whistle. That was more egregious almost. Uh, but yeah, that's well, okay. We're going to get to why that was so bizarre to have Stephanie in foul trouble. Let's, let's go there now. So I, uh, I was I was tipped off. I was turned on to uh, a really great site called Real Nice and Simple, easy to remember, cbbanalytics.com because I like to have numbers to justify when I say things that I very strongly believe, but I want to make sure that I'm not just being biased, right? So, one of their functions is they they make scatter plots of uh basically whatever to statistics you want and i mean i'm sure a lot of sites do stuff like this very very few sites have uh full women's basketball stats and analytics like it's it's really pretty sad and frankly infuriating to me so when i get tipped off to ones that do huge fan anyways i saw someone today get retweeted uh and they had done a scatter plot of block percentage versus personal fouls for the men's side I was like, dang, that's that's a great comparison. That is a very apt way to kind of evaluate the way someone protects the rim. If you block a high percentage of shots and you don't foul a lot, like that's what you could call a solid rim protector. And for the women's side, it is a crazy looking graph. It's on my Twitter. You've got obviously a huge cluster as one does of a bunch of people who have pretty normal block percentage and fouls. You go down, you go down, you go down. It's getting pretty sparse. There is no one remotely close to Stephanie. As far as this statistic goes, she is a full two percentage points ahead of anyone in the country. As far as block percentage, she is currently fifth in the nation in blocks per game. And she's below the average for personal fouls. So you have a couple outlier games where the very first game of the season, you get into a little foul. Tr- was that the first game or was it the exhibition game that she got into foul trouble? I think it was first game, the first yeah. actual You game. get into some foul trouble and you sit a big chunk of the game. Don't have a single issue after that until this game against North Carolina. And it's not like your typical defensive fouls. You're getting your arms across and whatever. It's just dumb fouls that if I thought they were legitimate would be mental errors, but I don't 
think they weren't. So uh, I think it says a lot more about the way that Stephanie plays that like that's generally just not an issue with with players that play like she does and the kind of defense she plays and the way she affects the game. You would expect a lot more situations where she could potentially be in foul trouble. And yet somehow most of the time, you know, we'll see how she does against more high level competition. But it's been really mind blowing the way that she's able to play that really hard defense. She prides herself on defense and not fouling. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we've seen it all year. Um, the good contests at the rim. We saw it against Michigan state. Um, I mean, I guess we've seen it in every game really. So it was surprising to see her getting foul trouble, but then you think about what the fouls actually were, you know, the, the one we talked about and then, you know, getting, going up for a shot and then somehow getting an offensive foul in there somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. It was, it was just kind of frustrating, but you know, time to move on, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a big opportunity that you wish would have gone your way, but at the same time, it is what it is. Uh, like you said, kind of time to move on. Um, her, her block situation is, is wild. Uh, I was figuring this, because I found myself with a, a lot of time on my hands as I was watching these games and not uh, calling them on the radio. Uh, usually I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm looking up stats that I make sure I know what I'm saying uh, when I'm talking, but I wasn't doing that. So I had to find some way to occupy myself because I am physically incapable of just watching a basketball game, apparently. Um, and what I found was that Stephanie should set the single season block record by a wide margin at Iowa state. Like, I don't think that that's in any way a question. I mean, the, the only question would be if somehow, you know, people really started to adjust if they decided they weren't going to drive on us. I don't think that that's a realistic uh, strategy. So you're left with just kind of this overwhelming thought that, okay, she's, she's probably going to do that. I'm, I'm trying to pull up what the, uh, I had at one point, what the single season record was. I'm almost there. I promise I'm getting there. Single season leaders in blocks, block shots, single season, 75. So far, through seven games, eight games, seven, eight, seven. How many games have we played? Uh, seven. Seven. 22. It's... 22 block shots through seven games. So I, I feel fairly confident in that one going down. Hopefully. Uh, yeah, I, I would hope that there would not be a huge, huge drop off. Either way, she's I mean, she should end up on the top 10 list. You know, you you tie at 10th if you get to 42. So if she can get 20 more blocks throughout the rest of the 25 minimum games of the season, assuming she plays every game, that'd be that'd be pretty good. Uh Based on the pace that she was on and continues to be on, not only would she be 
the single season leader. In one season at Iowa State, Stephanie Suarez is currently on pace to break into the all-time blocked shot list at fifth. Wow. So, I don't know. I don't know that she'll stay on this exact pace. I, I would not begrudge her if she did not. But it's in play. Uh, so that is certainly something we will keep an eye on there. And it's just, I mean, I think the biggest thing is that that's just not the type of player that Iowa State has had historically. It's, it's a very specific type of player, especially in the women's game. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. All right. Another player really stepping up, especially out in Portland and continuing home. Kind of having, I mean, didn't have quite the game that Caleb Grill had. But uh, kind of a similar situation in in really stepping up to play the way that we know that they're capable of and then continuing it coming home. Maggie Espen Miller-McGraw going out there, hitting some shots, playing some defense, moving her feet, able to play what looks like a pretty comfortable 20 minutes after, I mean, just the litany of injuries she's had to fight through. I mean, I am so excited to see her out there playing well. That's great. But looking like she feels comfortable and is having fun out there too. Yeah, it's good to see. Um, starting to make some uh, heat up a little bit from the outside out in Portland. And um, last game, Continue that a little bit. It's two for five from three. We've seen her minutes pick up as well. So yeah, it's good to see her. You know, just add. She just adds another component to this team. You know, we all know the main the main players. It's always nice to have those support players as well. Yeah, I mean, and and she's shown that she's able to take the ball off the dribble a little bit, especially when she makes them defend her on the outside. So something I certainly think we'll we'll be seeing more of from her. So. Uh, really good to see some people start figuring it out uh, again as we get to nearing the end of non-conference play. Really excited for Maggie. She just she's so passionate. She's someone who when she does well, I think it lifts everyone else up. Uh, so really big. Really excited to see her out there. Um, gonna be important going forward. We've seen we've seen a real tough schedule so far. Uh, it feels like women's basketball as a whole is playing a lot tougher schedules. Uh, certainly no exception here. Iowa State's got kind of a sprint to the uh, the break before conference play starts. You've got a heck of a heck of a break here for Iowa State, uh, going from Tuesday to Wednesday. No games, let people kind of physically recover, focus on tests, things like that. But then you're you're coming out of this nine-day layover. Uh, eight? I cannot do math. Like this eight. is a rough one. Yeah. Played Tuesday and then next Wednesday. So Yes. There you go. That would make sense. You're coming out of that one for what could be a top 10 Cyhawk matchup in Iowa City. So... 
certainly not going to be much of a, an actual break. You'll be working real hard. I know a lot of that is going to be spent on kind of doing their own scouts and working on their own plays and stuff like that. And then finally switching over to the Iowa stuff early next week. But what a matchup that will be for sure. Uh, whatever the, the rankings are is kind of not super consequential as far as that goes like it's going to be a great game either way uh my my second well second my fourth window on my two monitors right now is the Iowa women's basketball team playing NC State at home that's a 10 versus 12 matchup and that one's real close at the half Iowa went out to an early lead NC State pulled back uh, to lead at half but it's a team that that's kind of had some high highs and low lows uh, as well this year. Dropped two games so far, one to K-State, who looking a lot better than I expected without Aoka Lee. And the other one to UConn, where they were in control for most of the game and just kind of faltered down the stretch. But it's a real interesting situation there. You've got, obviously, Caitlin Clark and Monica Sedano returning. And then you've got this, this starting lineup that's been together for years now. But contributes sporadically I'd say uh McKenna Warnock usually been kind of their their third go-to you had Kate Martin just absolutely explode against UConn pretty much the the biggest reason they nearly won dropped like 20 on them not not something I've really seen from her before uh shot lights out from three but it's an interesting Iowa team where it feels like for the first time they're actually starting to look to players besides Caitlin Clark and then Caitlin Clark getting it to Monica Sanano. So for Iowa state, certainly going to be a challenge there, but one I know they're up for, I know they're really excited for uh, because how exciting is that to go out and be able to prove how solid of a team you are against a really highly rated team that also happens to be your in-state rival. Yeah. And I, as you say that, though, uh, Caitlin Clark has 24 of the 35 for Iowa at halftime today. I'm just looking at the box score real yeah. quick. And actually, surprisingly, Sonano is 0 for 1. She has yeah. one point. I don't know. I'm not watching, so I don't know. They're what's struggling going on there. to get her the ball. You know what? That is something that I'll be looking for on uh, Wednesday with great interest because I. it feels like when Iowa comes down the court, they have already decided whether they want to give Sonano the ball. And if they decided they want to give her the ball, they will very likely force it into her, whether there's a good lane or not. And otherwise, if they haven't decided they're going to give her the ball, they really don't even look. And so you fall into this trap where you, you just have a bizarre flow of, offense and then people have kind of started figuring out okay this is the way they enter the pass into her okay she doesn't ever dribble the ball she dribbles maybe three times a game and this is genuinely not an exaggeration and so all of a sudden people have got the film people have identified it and they've really been able to change the way they defend and so especially for Iowa State with someone like Stephanie Suarez down low who has a significant height advantage who's so long if you can stand behind her and bend your knees put your hands up and just not let her move counter move counter move counter move which is what she likes to do just on her pivot foot I don't know I'm not saying she's an easy person to defend by any means all I'm saying is I'm very intrigued to see 
how that matchup goes because it has the potential to again for the first time in a while have an advantage for Iowa State and I mean that's saying that after last year I think Morgan Kane did a great job against her so you've got someone who's had a success against her in the past to some degree and then you've got someone who's had success just in general on the defensive end yeah and it seems this might just be pes- pessimistic part of me but it seems like you know Iowa always has a role player who you know plays the game of their life against yeah. us so or maybe not the game of their life but just uh maybe someone whose percentages aren't very good you know lights it up against Iowa State and especially at home um usually you know they they play a lot better at home so mm-hmm. um hopefully keep them in check and obviously um Clark it's you're it's you're not going to hold her to you know three points or whatever but you just got to try to make her as inefficient as possible mm-hmm. um try to make her you know get her points on as many shots as possible keep her field goal percentage down and last year um you know obviously with Lex you know being one of the best defenders you know around um, they're able to do that, you know, well enough to win the game. And so um, you hope that you can do that again this year, two years ago, I think she fouled out. And so in the fourth quarter, I was able to come back. And so this year, I feel like fouls um, will be a really important key to this game, staying out of foul trouble as much as possible. And, you know, on the road, it's probably a little tougher to do that. You know, you have the home crowd that will probably be calling for fouls and you know yelling and screaming and so um obviously just playing as solid defense as you can staying out of foul trouble I think that'll be maybe the biggest key in this game yeah yeah and I I really hope that we see some of what I think Iowa State fans have hoped and kind of gotten a little glimpse of in that a, a much better full team defensive scheme uh Obviously, having Stephanie at the rim helps a whole lot. Then you've got, I think, Danae is a, a capable defender, has had some foul struggles this year for sure. Um, but hopefully over the next week, just kind of drill it into her head to play defense without fouling the way that you defend against a team like this. And my hope is that they exhausted the uh, the role player stepping up against UConn with Martin. Uh, so that's what, that's what I'm hoping for that. That was their, uh, that was their game for her. Uh, but like you said, yeah, they certainly uh, a team that has, uh, has that potential there. And especially against a team like Iowa state, so, so scout driven, you're going to give some people opportunities and say, okay, beat us this way. And they're going to try their darndest to do it so uh oh my gosh i i can't wait i'm super excited for that game it'll be my first time calling a game in carver two years ago we were still in the studio remote so really looking forward to that one um i i do not wear cyclone stuff on the sideline because that is eh, i don't really have a lot of professional stuff but if i did i would certainly be wearing one of my terrific home field apparel Iowa State basketball shirts. They are my absolute favorite. They are the best, the most comfortable, the greatest logos. Uh, a good gift for anyone on your list, I promise. Uh, I, I'm not going to go into my usual five-minute spiel because this episode has already gotten a lot longer than I uh, I anticipated. But I guess that's what happens when you go like a week and a half between episodes instead of just a week. But if you also would like to wear some terrific, comfortable uh, Iowa State or any other team apparel 
Go to homefieldapparel.com. Use code CYCLONE12 at checkout. That's going to give you 15% off your first order. You can be rocking hoodies, t-shirts with your favorite school, preferably Iowa State. Homefieldapparel.com. Use code CYCLONE12. All right. A couple more things I want to dive in on very briefly. Like I mentioned, there are several Cyhawk matchups coming up. And one of them is wrestling. Wrestling meet on Sunday, December 4th. Uh, Wow. I've said this several times. I am intrigued by wrestling. I want Iowa State to be good. I understand very little. But... What I'm hearing is this should be the best Cyhawk meet in quite a while. Um, Iowa State really has taken a huge step up this year. And Iowa, I mean, a, a perennial powerhouse. But what I'm what I'm hearing, the rumors I'm hearing is that with a, a couple of wrestlers for Iowa still potentially not quite ready for competition, especially um, Iowa State may have the edge in a couple of matchups that could be really key. So, I mean, if you just look going down the what they released as their probable lineups, uh, the rankings for the Cyclones, uh, you've got an edge in a good like four or five matchups and you're real close in a bunch of other ones. So certainly a huge, huge opportunity for the Cyclones this weekend to go into Iowa city and win that wrestling matchup, obviously great for the Cyhawk series, all that fun stuff, but that would be huge for the Iowa state program. Um, it, w- it would really show how far they've come under Coach Dresser. And truly, even if they don't go in there and win, uh, to get some really big wins just in the matchups uh, would be huge as well. So I'm super excited about that. Uh, definitely a great way to kick off the week as far as those Cyhawk matchups go. Before that, we've also got uh, a big day, hopefully couple days for volleyball. I'm releasing this on Friday morning. Uh, So if you're listening to it right as it releases, you can now know that Iowa State will be facing Florida Gulf Coast in the NCAA tournament for volleyball uh, Friday afternoon. I want to say it's 3.30 Central. Um, That will be on ESPN Plus. Iowa State, a sixth seed in the NCAA tournament uh, going up against a Florida Florida Gulf Coast team that had really a solid season uh, but just not against a ton of high-level competition, so kind of hard to gauge. Ended up 26-6 and six in the season, but did not win against a ranked opponent. Uh, only played a couple very early in the year. So super intrigued about that. Really looking forward to it. If Iowa State wins, they would then play the next day, Saturday, uh, in the evening, I believe that would be six o'clock. So sending uh, a huge shout out to Coach Christy Johnson Lynch and Cyclone Volleyball, hoping they have a really, really great showing to continue what has been an absolutely terrific season for them so far. All right, Eric, I feel like we've covered a lot. Uh, is there anything I missed? 
from the past week for the week ahead? I don't think so. Just tough end of the year for the football team, but yeah. we'll see. We'll see what everything looks like in maybe a week or two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 rough. It's disappointing. It's not entirely unexpected as far as that particular game went. Um, but in in the end, it's I'd I'd rather probably have that than get a weird fluky win and then have to deal with all the are you in a bowl are you not in a bowl whatever like the drama i mean obviously you always want more wins that's great but just there was there was no winning in that game for iowa state either way so we're starting to see some uh some some staff changes coming from other schools, transfers in, transfers out. So obviously as those kind of consequential moves go, we will dive into those a little bit, but at the moment, uh, just not enough, not enough to really go in on quite yet. The, the rumblings are that a lot more for the cyclones is coming and hopefully some very positive directions there. So, all right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. As always, we so appreciate it. Uh, Go ahead, find us on social media. Reach out, uh, questions, comments, concerns. Uh, I am on all social media platforms, primarily Twitter, at jsteyz, J-S-T-E-Y-Z. You can find Eric at Eric Steyer, E-R-I-C-S-T-E-Y-E-R. You can also find our show account at Pod. Tune in on Wednesday to listen to me for the Iowa State women's basketball game on the radio. You can tune into the radio and watch it on TV. I I hear uh, very high reviews for that. I don't know who's on the call, so that's no like shade against whoever is going to be calling it on TV. But uh, look, homers, homers are always a little bit more fun. We are a part of the 1012 Network. You can find them on Twitter at TEN12Network. Find all sorts of shows for the rest of the Big 12 Conference. Get yourself up to date on the other schools in the conference before we start basketball conference play. We also are partnered with Sports Drink, your water cooler for all things sports and not sports. Uh, What am I missing? Homefieldapparel.com, code Cyclone12. I think that's good. All right, we're going to come in at just under an hour incredible we'll be back late in the week next week probably friday again maybe we'll see i don't know we'll figure it out we play it by ear all right thanks y'all